Peter R. Bregan, M.D., is called the conscience of psychiatry for his many decades of successful reform efforts. His scientific and educational work provide the foundation for modern criticism of drugs and ECT and lead the way in promoting more caring and effective therapies. His books include Talking Back to Prozac, Toxic Psychiatry, Medication Madness, Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal, and now Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety, Understanding and Overcoming Negative Emotions. Welcome to the Dr. Peter Bregan Hour. Well, hello, my wonderful, wonderful audience. I have a very interesting guest uh, for us today, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a minute. But his name is Augusto Zimmerman, and um, he has, to my ears, a bit of an accent. He grew up in Brazil uh, and uh, from a German family in Brazil, and then uh, went back and forth to Australia and is a very, very uh, august, great for your first name, august, very, I didn't plant a pun, um, a very august uh, legal expert, professor, lawyer. Uh, he's got both a, both a legal degree and a PhD degree. He's held positions of various kinds in Australia. Uh, he's uh, currently a professor and the head of law at a uh, university called Sheridan. And he's a man with a deep interest in the nature of the law. He's written some books that I would be interested in looking at someday about the history of law in the Western world, which I think is a, an enormously important subject, obviously. And he's the editor-in-chief of uh, this particular book, which is a, a compendium, Fundamental Rights in the Age of COVID-19. And it's edited by Augusto Zimmerman and Joshua Forrester, um, published in 2020. And it deals with a lot of the issues that were already developing um, in Australia, which has or in the brunt. I think Australia's being made an example of, we haven't discussed uh, before we uh, uh, went live, the role of, of communist China in trying to dominate Australia. So that might be interesting to, to get into if uh, um, Augusto, call me Peter, would, um, would be interested. A brief catch up on our book. It is now officially a bestseller. It's uh, selling a lot of books. And um, you can buy it anywhere in the world, including in Australia. Um, at this point, uh, we're still recommending that uh, uh, you not try to buy it from us. Uh, we, uh, we sold 30,000 copies. We were not prepared for that uh, from mm. our website at all. And... Mm. Um, so we had to shut down selling books and just catch up on uh, getting them out. We did print 20,000, which I thought was wild, but mm. they went rather rapidly. And uh, we, uh, we've had another printing ordered, and hopefully that's going to start very soon, if not already. And uh, <clears throat> we're on the cusp of that as, we, we, uh, as you will be watching this. But also, just go and get it overnight, and it'll be easy for yourself at any one of the uh, any one of the online bookstores around the world. Mm. Um, Augusto, um, wow, what do you think? What's your idea of what's happening to Australia? If you got a way of just catching us up, but people here have heard, you know, heard about it back in October and September a bit. What's happening? Well, the government here, first of all, it's a great pleasure to be uh, engaged in this conversation with you. Um, it's a pleasure to be uh, talking to you. But what's happening here is really disturbing. Uh, the governments are capitalizing on the fear of the population in order to implement uh, measures that are extremely draconian. And I believe that uh, ultimately they will lead to a state that uh, will become irreversible unless uh, extra legal measures uh, uh, are going to be uh, taking place. 
because uh, once the governments uh, take such a level of um, control over the population, it's very hard for the people to be able to uh, get the rights that have been taken away uh, returned to being returned to them. Uh, we see this uh, in the past in, in previous uh, experiments, and you know that uh, dictatorial regimes, they always start with an emergency. So Hayek, for instance, in his Constitution of Liberty, puts this point very well, that mm. once uh, emergency powers are created, it's very difficult to have these powers returned to the citizen. So we are at the verge of implementing a brutal dictatorial regime in Australia that might become almost irreversible. That is a tragedy. We are facing this in America as well. And I think your words are incredibly important for all Americans as well as uh, really all the Western democracies are under siege. Uh, Australia's um, been kind of being made an example of as I look at the Western world. Do you, do you get that sense too? What do you make of that? You know, I certainly get the sense. Uh, there was a politician, an Irish politician in the 19th century who stated that the price of liberty is a ton of vigilance. And when I came to Australia 20 years ago, I ended up uh, living in Melbourne which is the epicenter of the problem in, in here in Australia. And people had this uh, strange um, appreciation for the authorities and they almost worship government. It was a very a difficult thing for me to accept. And I knew that this would eventually lead to a terrible disaster. That's when uh, the, the governments, uh, the, the, the rulers, started to capitalize on these uh, apprehensions of the people, thinking that they can potentially become the uh, benevolent protectors of society, and they turned themselves into oppressive paternal leaders. So it's like the sort of government that looks after you from uh, cradle to grave and gives you no freedom no rights whatsoever, unless these are uh, concessions given by government. So this distorted idea of government that Australians tend to have, uh, it's what is ultimately empowering the ruling, uh, uh, I wouldn't even say elites anymore, <laughs> the ruling groups to actually mm -hmm. um, adopt all these measures with total impunity and even the support of the overall population. Uh, and they did it quite well because the idea of safety uh, sometimes is uh, something that touches uh, the feelings of conservatives as well, because they feel that the government has somehow a role to be protecting the community. So that is a master stroke of the ruling groups in order to uh, certainly exercise uh, more power and control over the society as a natural result. Well, it's a chilling description and I think it's uh, absolutely right. Um, it's interesting, um, I had heard that um, uh, the part of the country you're talking about had actually had a spirit of independence, but you're saying now that uh, the city and the, uh, the area has uh, had, uh, even years ago, kind of an, a worshipfulness toward government. That's interesting. Yeah, it's almost a form of idolatry. It's a very strange thing. There's an excessive confidence in government. And I guess this is the reason as, uh, as to why we're facing these problems. But I also guess that is because Australia didn't have to face revolutionary movements in the past and, and, and highly clearly highly oppressive uh, regimes. Used to have the rule of law, and the law here would somehow work in a reasonable fashion so that people would feel that the laws are protecting them uh, from criminals and perhaps even from uh, governmental oppression. So the point that we have at this present moment in Australia is that the law now has been converted and being currently used into an instrument of oppression. And because the laws are very effective, I would rather be in a state of nature, according to John Locke, than to be under a very effective government that is using its powers very efficiently 
and very forcefully to oppress and, and remove all the fundamental rights and freedoms of, this indi of the individual here in Australia. Could you give us some details that would help us um, understand what's happening at this, this moment in Australia? What are some of these, uh, what, would a bill, what would a Declaration of Independence list as the grievances? Well, one of on. those, certainly one of those is the fact that I used to be able to enjoy life traveling overseas and uh, going to my native country from time to time to visit my parents. And even to my second job, I, I'm a joint professor at Notre Dame in Sydney. And the dictator in Western Australia is forbidding us to actually even leave the state. This is so outrageous that I cannot cross the borders within my own country. Uh, he is now telling us that even by Christmas, uh, families will not be able to be connected to their loved ones when you have zero cases of COVID, zero. It's zero. And he is not allowing us to enjoy our rights and freedoms. And for instance, uh, and that's my comment I made that uh, uh, I like to make this comment that we, I feel I'm living in a comfortable concentration camp over here. And now I might perhaps even lose my job because he, uh, the Premier, Mark McGowan, who is highly connected, by the way, with Chinese interests, he decided to uh, and make it very clear that um, some professionals, uh, some professional groups will have to take the jab you have to be vaccinated. So what's happening is that those who refuse to do so will lose their jobs probably by early November. So he's setting up deadlines, forcing employees to take these measures and rendering uh, thousands and thousands of my fellow citizens unemployed if they don't take the vaccine. Now, we are experiencing that kind of thing with teachers and policemen and and now uh, corporations over having over 100 people, according to Joe Biden, are supposed to uh, <clears throat> be insisting on um, the vaccine and so on. One of my theories is that in addition to cowing the population and in addition to making bundles of money and, and all of that, they, uh, they hope to... Uh, to get the conservative or uh, uh, individual rights people to quit, that they're happy to have the policemen yeah. quit who want to stand up for their rights, get rid of all those people, disemploy them, if that's a word, yeah. and um, replace them with uh, their left-wing lackeys. It seems to I think that's yeah. part of the strategy. I don't hear people talk about that enough. This is absolutely right. Uh, when I was at the train station yesterday, I saw an advertisement for new police officers because many members of the police force, the best, the finest people in the police force are facing this challenge now because they don't want to get this uh, experimental vaccine. And as a result of their decision, to do the right thing, in my opinion, uh, they are being forced to leave their jobs. And the government is already advertisement, making, uh, producing advertisement uh, uh, in, in train stations and so forth, uh, certainly with the aim to recruit people who are more docile and certainly more subservient to the interests of the government. The police should not be serving the government the pol police, the role of the police is to uphold the law and protect the community. But that these are the good coppers that are now facing this terrible drama of being probably at the risk of very soon losing their, their jobs. And then we are going to have a much more oppressive, less reliable police force as a result, comprised of people who obey government and will be even grateful to the government for giving them this uh, extraordinary powers that the police now has acquired. And it's a very dangerous thing because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, as Lord Acton referred to, the police in Western Australia is becoming uh, with the same powers that the uh, oppressive regimes in uh, East Germany and other uh, communist countries used to have. You, you mentioned earlier um, 
is it the provincial uh, uh, leader? Who? What? I wish I could remember these things and keep them straight. Mark McGowan, his name. That's the, the premier of Western Australia. His name is Mark McGowan. But unfortunately, we have a very weak opposition as well. Think about that. It's not just the fault of this premier who is basically uh, creating these oppressive measures. It's the fault of the prime minister of this country. So we have the a sort of a unholy alliance now between fake conservatives that who belong to this uh, illiberal party called the Liberal Party, but of liberal, we can't see so much in terms of protecting individual rights and freedoms. Uh, they are having this unholy alliance with the Labour Party. So the Prime Minister, being the national leader, should have done something about these things. He can use even some powers that are found in the Constitution, including the external affairs power, that he could use to uphold international human rights, and in combination with inconsistency, render all these state measures unconstitutional. And he's not doing that because he's either very being very incompetent or he's actually endorsing, tacitly endorsing, the tyranny of these little dictators in every single jurisdiction in this country. In writing, um, I don't think I mentioned the name of my book at the beginning. I just said our book, I think. But COVID-19 COVID and the Global Predators. Mm -hmm. um, the subtitle sub is uh, We Are the Prey. Mm -hmm. um, one of the shocking discoveries that we made as we looked at all the people that we began to identify as part of the system of the global predators, including many American billionaires uh, led, as I really didn't think it was going to happen, by Bill Gates. Bill Gates was working with our uh, Anthony Fauci, who was sort of our taking the role of our health czar, though he, he's really just an institute head. Fauci mm -hmm. was working with him 10 years mm -hmm. before 2020, back in, in uh, 2010, creating the year of vaccines, planning this whole thing for the world. And then he started working with the World Health Organization very quickly with Klaus Schwab, who is the great reset guy for the whole world. It's all global stuff. And the UN got involved very early, as early as 2012, working with Gates on how they were going to marshal all their forces for the next pandemic creating all the things we have now, they created back then, including, uh, um, I don't know what your version of it is, but um, here it's op Operation Warp Speed, where you rush through the vaccines, and I think that's worldwide now. And yeah. all of that originates out of the, the brain of Bill Gates working with World Health Organization, working with the big drug companies, and and even developing supranational agreements that we describe in the book, agreements that were called memorandum of understanding, including mm -hmm. items in it, like the drug companies will get repaid for all their costs yeah. by, the, by the new governance. It's most amazing. The interesting thing is that perhaps because they have, by having to give these constant public interviews, uh, sometimes they disclose uh, information that perhaps they might eventually regret. Um, the chief health advisor in, in New South Wales referred to the New World Order more than twice already. And also We've seen it all over our conservative TVs, the New World yeah. Order, she said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the most disturbing thing is that um, she works for a so-called right-wing government in New South oh Wales. My God. Oh, so that's God. considered to be the conservative party in this country that is uh, entirely uh, pushing for this, uh, uh, also this um, destruction of our fundamental rights and freedoms and ultimately the destruction of our constitutional framework. One thing, one means by, by which this has been happening is because of judicial dereliction. Uh, as a result of the fact that in a system of constitutional democracy, we should have proper checks and balances and proper separation of powers. Yes. Uh, the parliamentary system is bad enough as compared to the presidential model because there is no proper separation between the legislature and the executive. 
So the head of the executive is actually the head of the parliament. So there is no mm -hmm. proper separation of powers. Then you have now the judiciary in Australia being very uh, complacent in allowing the executive to rule by decree. So that's the typical behavior of a dictator when you have chief health advisors issuing decrees all the time and not being subject to the, the scrutiny of the parliament uh, and elected representatives of the people. So basically these decisions are entirely undermining not only the doctrine of separation of powers, but also undermining the rule of law because it leads to total legal uncertainty. How can you actually live a normal life if every day they change the rules and they can shut down your business at any moment uh, on the grounds of somehow uh, combating a mild disease, you know? So we have to be very careful because this is actually leading to legal uncertainty and instability that will utterly destroy the economies of these countries, especially when I say this about Australia. One of the things you mentioned earlier was a connection to communist China. And one of the things that, that really blew me away was the connection that all the predators that I began to look at internationally have with communist China. Even the American-born billionaires, our yeah. top billionaires, with perhaps one exception, are unpatriotic. They're also not God-fearing. A lot of the people who are fighting for liberty in this country right now are really God-oriented Christians. I'm Jewish. Uh, there's a few Jews involved, but most are way left. And um, the uh, they see communism as what it is, atheistic, materialistic, yeah. anti-spiritual, and so on, and, um, and, and uh, totalitarian. But uh, I quickly discovered that the connections between China and Australia were overwhelming in terms yes. of, of the commerce. And, and do you think, could you describe that more? And, yes. Uh, and also and that, just how that affects what goes on. Certainly, the, the connection is unbelievable. Uh, it's quite evident, especially if you uh, happen to go to an airport where the first information provided is in, in Cantonese Mandarin, uh, in Chinese languages, but not in, in English at all. Oh, you're it's, kidding! It, no, it's, no, it's no. almost like if, if you if you actually are placed in a, in a in an airport, especially Melbourne, and you don't know you're living in Mel in in Australia, you would think that you're actually in a Chinese airport. How long has that been going on? I, I don't know. It's so bizarre. And that was about three years ago, and I was absolutely shocked. Uh, for instance, uh, another evidence of this is that the Premier of Western Australia had uh, a meeting with the Chinese authorities here in Perth, and he was uh, uh, incited by these uh, operators here of the Chinese government to celebrate China and Wuhan. So there is a video of him praising Wuhan and praising China, and he says, go Wuhan in Chinese. And I hope that he's not telling us to, that the virus is going to be spread because, after all, the virus came from Wuhan, the Wuhan pro province. Well, was this before or after COVID-19? That was actually just after the COVID uh, stroke. Oh, my God. And he oh did such God. a thing. He's a it traitor. He's a tra like our Joe yeah. Biden's a traitor. Absolutely. Is there any evidence that these people are, were like somewhat like Biden and his family and Kerry, his family, really on the take from the Chinese? Well, Duke, you know, what you're saying is so important because these connections, as you have mentioned, between the ol oligarchs in the West and the Chinese government are quite old at this point. In the 1970s, there is an article, I think it's 1973, written by the then head of the Chase Manhattan Bank, if I'm not wrong, was a Rockefeller person, who actually was praising Mao Zedong. And he was praising Mao Zedong after Mao Zedong had already exterminated 40 million of his own people because they had already gone through the Cultural Revolution and the Great Leap Forward. And this head of the Chase Manhattan Bank in New York was actually praising Mao Zedong and then you know that in the 1990s, uh, there was a, a conference uh, had by 
um, the Texas Academy of Science in, in Texas, where a professor of biology was uh, suggesting that in order to reduce the size of the population, that we should have to create a virus. They have to create a virus that could potentially eliminate about 90% of the population. So they have been discussing no, this. No, I haven't. You know, I do a lot of research. I haven't heard of either one of these things. It's found in my article published in the, the Spectator Australia, and it is the connection between these uh, oligarchs and the Chinese government going Can back. You please email me that. Of Can course. You... That would be a oh, good my question. God. This is going to be a nice addition to, to future work and to my understanding. Mm. Oh, that that is that's incredible. Mm. Uh, that's another thing that folks that's turned up again that I didn't want to see and I rejected. And I'm kind of a bit old school compared to my wife Ginger in some ways. Ginger really think can knows how to think outside the box. And she told me early on that these guys are all connected to population control and they don't care if they kill people. In fact, they're happy. Yes, yeah. not only that, but the funny thing is that uh, some of the measures that are being implemented and, and even acts of parliament currently being uh, enacted by the respective parliaments in Australia, they tend to be embracing a sort of very controversial uh, pro-death agenda. In South Australia, for instance, uh, they have just passed legislation authorizing for what I would easily describe as infanticide which is the killing of a baby who survives an abortion. Uh, but it's going to be the baby left to die outside the mother's womb. Uh, that's absolute, uh, absolutely appalling from a, a moral, ethical perspective. So what I, I'm seeing here is that the Semelite who has uh, displayed such a disregard for human life, been talking about population control for such a long period of time, Same. invested very heavily in that Wuhan lab, to the point that now we are 100% assured, even the left-wing tabloids in the United States, such as the New York Times now, is confessing that, uh, that this money came from American tax taxpayers by Anthony Fauci's organization. We blew that the this... whistle on that in April 2020. Exactly. That's how obvious <laughs> And now these same people are coming as saviors to us. So they were those who created the problem in the first place, and they are uh, trying to yes. so sell us the, the solution for the problem. This is, this is a big theme in, in, our, in our book, in COVID-19 and Global yeah. Predators, a big theme. And uh, very early on, we, were, we thought we were going to have a huge impact because way back in April, <clears throat> Ginger found a an article from 2015, which gave us all the information about the Wuhan doctors. They're very top doctors working with the Chapel Hill, North Carolina University docs and being funded by Fauci. And then we just found a whole string of articles over the next months. But we sent that up lines to people we knew who knew the Trumps and were in her circle. And Trump actually, within about three days afterward, we did a video that got very quickly, up to 50,000 people watching it. And Trump canceled the uh, Fauci funding of cooperation with China, making deadly pathogens. But Trump didn't get the full picture. He didn't grasp it. He didn't stop the gain-of-function research. That's the, as you probably yeah. know, the, the name for this kind of making, yeah. uh, making pleasant viruses happily living in bats or other animals into pathogens. I mean, that's what they're doing. Mm. And uh, mm. there's never been, by the way, uh, a lot of people don't know this, never been found a SARS-CoV in nature. Mm. None has ever mm. been found. It's all, mm. everything that's been found has been constructed as far as can be told. It, unknown is whether the very first SARS back in 2001 from the 2002 epidemic, whether that was lab, or, yeah. I still haven't got an answer on that one. So well, the, the, go ahead. The interesting thing is that uh, uh, some of my uh, acquaintances, including my father, uh, he ended up getting the, the virus, the COVID, and uh, he's um, uh, in his late 70s. Uh, he didn't have so much trouble with that. He had to be told by the doctor 
that mm. he actually had the COVID. He went through a medical checkup uh, with, with his wife, my mother, and uh, he was told by the doctor that he had the COVID. He didn't even know he had the COVID and he, he was, was doing 70. quite well. So I think this, um, that's just <clears throat> my impression of this. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they are very disappointed that the virus is not more deadly. Uh, if the virus was actually created to cause mayhem, uh, the virus is not uh, being as effective as they expected. But I think now that's they have entirely... to go ahead with the second part mm. of the plan, that is to use the vaccine uh, to um, perhaps uh, uh, finish the job that uh, they have to complete. Well, the vaccine is certainly killing a lot of people. Um, yeah. Uh, right, right now, uh, in the U.S., it's uh, it's up to eighteen thousand people reported to the CDC as died in very close proximity to yeah. the administration, and and that um, it's seventeen thousand at this moment, and and that that would actually reflect a much higher number because doctors don't report these things. And so that would, at, at the most conservative guess, would be 180,000. That is one in 10 get reported. So yeah. 18,000 would, would yeah. go up to 180. But it's probably much higher than that. And uh, uh, I mean, it's, it really is a very serious and, slaughter. And what, and what disturbs me is I'm not a medical doctor, but my area is human rights and I'm a constitutional lawyer. Uh, I don't like to see my area being completely obliterated by, by the government. So I don't want to have to find another job as a result, because certainly uh, the idea of studying the constitution of this country is becoming meaningless in many ways. The High Court has made very strange decisions more recently, including of disregarding a particular provision as found in Section 92 of the Australian Constitution, saying that the borders interstate borders should be absolutely free. The, the interesting thing about our drafters is that they were so concerned, concerned about uh, the national unity and keeping the interstate borders not closed that they used the word absolutely, absolutely free. And the High Court said now that the word absolute now has to be interpreted in a relative fashion. So the word absolute is now relative. Right. It's bizarre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so even so, they could actually be honest and say, uh, we don't care about the Constitution. Uh, we are we having this emergency that can justify such things. But to start to play with words is absolutely uh, reprehensible. And that actually uh, shows us very clear that this dishonest way of uh, interpreting the law. This is all very, very important. It's an important interview. You have so much knowledge. I'd like to come back to the Chinese issue because I don't usually get to talk with somebody who's going to probably know more than me about it. And um, there are many, but uh, most of them are a little reluctant to talk with me because they're embedded a bit in the establishment. They're Chinese experts, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, my understanding is that Western Australia has really become a base for the Chinese Communist Party's army. The, the People's uh, People's Army, People's Liberation Army. Is that your impression? Can you talk about that? Yeah, it, it is, and I think you're correct in your assumption. We are still able, when I leave this meeting, for instance, to uh, go to a coffee shop and have my coffee, even though I have to disclose my identity, by the way, and I have to use an app in order to be able to uh, have my coffee. I refuse to use the app, but then I have to actually sign a document, put, put in my name uh, and, and details about myself in order just to have a coffee. This is a police state. It's a total police this state. This is where we're going to go. We're going to go from, from the passports to this kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, that is so important for us to know this is where we're going. It's a terrible situation. We feel extremely controlled and oppressed here. Uh, and the fact that I'm prevented from even seeing my loved ones, I'm now unable even to uh, visit my 
a second uh, uh, dean, uh, the person who um, uh, employed me at Notre Dame to be an adjunct professor, I, I have my life completely uh, uh, changed as a result of these uh, uh, actions of the government. And uh, people are feeling that they have to do such a thing because they are promised that this is only temporary. So they say that, you know, uh, we have to go through this because it's a necessary thing to do, even though we have zero cases here, zero. So they say, oh, you know, we still have to do these things because uh, uh, the problem is not uh, uh, entirely controlled yet. And they, of course, renew the emergency powers. Uh, that is similar to what previous dictators did in the past, uh, using the emergency powers and constantly renewing them. Uh, perhaps because the uh, premier in Victoria has more things to do than just being having to renew all the time. He said, no, it's better not to have even to bother about that. Let's keep the emergency power forever until I feel that they are no longer necessary. But he's using, and the police here is also uh, uh, very uncomfortable about that, uh, using its powers to uh, force people even into vaccination if necessary. And as far as I know, uh, there is something really sinister going on, that is the building of concentration camps here in Western Australia and other parts of Australia in order to uh, place people who potentially are a threat to the health of the community in such establishments. They are already being constructed, not only in Western Australia, but in several other states also across the nation. Well, we've heard the possibility of that in the U.S. being discussed. It's very important, again, to have you on. And folks, if they can do it in Australia, you know, they're going to be pretty sure they can do it in the U.S. And I think we can expect everything we hear about going on in Australia. <clears throat> now, you you uh, kind of you nodded in agreement about the communist Chinese being um, so uh, ingrained in Western Australia. It's part of that southern route that they were planning to build, uh, corresponding to their northern route. What do they do? They what do they call it? I've forgotten. Um, yeah, but this is something that uh, it's clearly happening as a result of the fact that Australia, Western Australia, is the mining state. And it's very rich in natural resources. Which China needs. My suspicion is that the only reason I can still, uh, I'm still allowed, but there's so merciful rules, I'm of course making a joke here, uh, to be able to walk on the streets is because they need to keep at least part of the country in operation in order to satisfy the interests of the Chinese uh, government and other um, oligarchs. So we are actually sponsoring financially the oppression of the other states in Australia. I feel uh, that I'm actually being lucky to be in a, in a place where I can uh, somehow walk on the streets without being stopped or to not have to wear the mask. But in other areas of Australia, the oppression is more intense and people are literally having their lives completely and utterly obliterated by these governments. Uh, you know, dysfunctionality in families is becoming rampant now because you have so much conflict in the families. Uh, somehow you have, for instance, uh, part of the family agreeing with the measures and others not agreeing. But more than that, people losing their jobs and not being able to provide for the families. The suicide rate it, it, of course, for obvious reasons, is skyrocketing in this country. And the levels of depression and craziness is also becoming more visible now. If you walk on the streets of Perth, you're going to see a dramatic increase in the numbers of homeless people, drug addicts and beggars. I mean, I have to go walking uh, because uh, I don't catch the train uh, from my home to my work. And I have never seen so many uh, people suffering from mental illnesses and also uh, entire families sometimes living on the streets. So it's becoming like an apocalyptic scenario now that uh, it beggars belief. Perth used to be such a pleasant place to live. It's becoming uh, quite unbearable at this point, I can say. But it's even worse in Sydney, the, the, the city we know the best on the eastern side of Australia. The eastern side of Australia it managed to be much worse because the brutal dictator of Victoria, who would uh, 
make Hitler feel that uh, that he has someone that is emulating him. He's actually using the police to be uh, even shooting at protesters. And now he decreed that protests are forbidden in that particular state. We even have police invading properties of the people who dare to post uh, comments about, uh, about the government. So if the person promotes an event that is about uh, freedom, it is about uh, protesting against some of these measures, the police can storm the person's property without a warrant and arrest this person in front of the children, as it happened with a pregnant woman who posted just a mild comment about the fact that there would be a rally against the oppression that's taking place. She got arrested. Another friend of mine, a person who I know personally, stayed in jail for two weeks in Melbourne because she was considered to be disrupting the narrative of the government. She opposed the lockdown measures. So if you oppose the lockdown measures, you can face a very heavy punishment by this uh, 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 premier in Victoria. Folks in here in America, keep listening. It's happening in Canada. They're ahead of us too. It's going to come here. I think uh, they've probably been surprised, the globalists, about how easy it's gone so far in America. So they're taking it gradually with us. But this yeah. is where it's all heading. Yeah. Um, and the Can price you... of liberty is eternal vigilance indeed. And the point is that the children in this country have been brainwashed uh, to not understand their own values and traditions. I know that um, uh, the schools here don't teach anything about uh, the most important documents that protect our fundamental rights, such as the English Bill of Rights, the American Declaration of Independence, and many other documents. Australians normally have a very poor knowledge of history and even knowledge of their rights. So a nation that has become so um, unaware of their own values and unaware of their own dignity, it's much more prone to become subservient to this sort of oppressive government. They have been indoctrinated since they were in kindergarten to worship government and to think that the government are the ultimate benevol benevolent protectors of the society. Same here in the United States. Do you have as active a Christian community as we have here in America that is conservative and is actually opposing and building alternative institutions? And here we're, the community is building alternative TV stations. Um, we have an, a, an entrepreneur um, named Mike Lindell, the pillow man. I don't know if he advertises his pillows in Australia. Um, and he has set up his own uh, TV station, and I'm uh, I'm a guest, regular guest on one of the uh, one of the TV stations of Lindell. So we're building these alternative uh, things. I'm no longer on YouTube, but building things on. Um, uh, we are on on an uh, <laughs> on a, a place um, uh, that that is run by by another very devoted kind of. Uh, uh, faith-based individual, Bright Eon is, is uh, where we're on. Uh, it's Bright Eon, E-O-N. And is that happening in Australia? It's also possible you might not even know a lot about what's happening unless you've uh, just found entry into it. Yeah, no, it, it is happening. Uh, the Catholic Church recently invited me, one of the <clears throat> priests here, uh, a fantastic person, invited me to uh, have a chat to the uh, parish. And what I was amazed is that um, I thought I was like Bon Jovi or attending a concert because uh, there were thousands and thousands of people outside waiting for me. The church could fit only 400 people. And you had about 2,000 people who were unable mm -hmm. to enter into that venue. And so, and he spoke with such boldness that I was so impressed talking about fighting for freedom and doing the right thing. I was so amazed. Uh, I have attended other churches, a Presbyterian church here, and also a Baptist church. Mm -hmm. And so there is an independent church here called Grace Temple, if I'm not wrong. And they did an amazing chapel, Grace Chapel. So they, I have been invited, constantly invited now, 
So that's wonderful. Church. So you're you're in the what there is of a rebellious movement. They know you. Well, and... the American founding fathers had the support of the clerics of today from all the different denominations, including uh, the Jewish community. So we know very well that um, we have this example in history that yes. when we appeal to the right values and we ask God for protection, he can operate this sort of miracles by uniting us. So certainly the um, uh, oligarchs try to divide us. They are trying to separate us from one another and even yeah. destroy families. But I have so much faith that we'll be able to overcome these problems and you are going to fight for the rights and freedoms that ultimately are not given by government so that the government cannot take these rights away. And so we have to appeal to all our rights of values and traditions and, and recover what has been stolen from us, but they are not to be ever, ever negotiated. These are the inalienable rights of the individual that according to your founding fathers Absolutely. are God-given. God that's why they're called inalienable. And that's what all the people, almost every person I work with now, and we're meeting, and you know, hundreds and hundreds. Well, I've talked to millions and millions of people, and but uh, all the feedback we get is it's a, it's um, it's tied to a, a God-based revival, um, and that's yeah. that was going on during the American Revolution. Yes, there was a, there was a revival going on, and many of the uh, founders were lawyers and. Many of them were uh, ministers, few of them were doctors, maybe. Exactly. I have written on the subject in a book. I, it's, it's called The Christian Foundations of the Common Law, and that's the volume ah. two of the United States. Yeah. So I have a trilogy on the subject. The first book is on England, the second is on the United States, and then the third is about Australia. I had no idea we had these common interests, but I think that these are just way beyond us as individuals having common interests. It's yeah. the people fighting for liberty around the world. Absolutely. Um, and then you can appeal even to very prominent common law authorities, such as uh, Sir Harry de Bracton, who stated that the king is under God and the law because the law makes him king. And then Sir Edward Cook appealed to that particular uh, message when he had to interact in a very robust manner with James I, the, the then king of England in 1603, when he reminded the king that there were some things that not even he, him as a king was allowed to do. And then you have John Fortescue, the chief justice of the king's bench in the 15th century, saying that nat nat nature and the natural law gives us the freedoms that we have uh, now acquired as a result of being created in God's like image and likeness. And any single ruler who attempts to undermine these freedoms are to be considered to be at a state of war against the people, but also to be deemed impious and cruel because this is not something that can be taken away, they cannot be removed. <laughs> I love what you're saying. This is, this is wonderful. Um, I used to have a friend from Australia um, who nagged me about uh, being in favor of Americans owning guns. Mm -hmm. You may know where I'm going. I've never gotten to ask anybody in Australia uh, about this. Um, and that is, do you think that Australians giving up their guns, I'm not sure how long ago, but it was a while, you probably mm -hmm. know the date. Do you think that that was a harbinger of what we're seeing now? That I think they... it's, uh, that is a, uh, an important connection because the American founding fathers, when they established the Second Amendment, that was for the purposes of not only protecting uh, the family, the, the right to self-defense against normal criminals, but also the idea that the government itself could potentially become tyrannical. And the only way that they thought they could potentially uh, resist is if they continue to have this right to bear arms. So the idea of bearing arms is not just for you and, and me to protect ourselves against normal criminals, but when the government becomes highly oppressive and we have to have the means necessary to defend ourselves and our community. Every single tyrannical regime, Hitler, Stalin, 
they, the first thing they did was to manage to be able to disarm the, the civilians so that they would be at the total mercy of government. When I was um, a law reform commissioner, we had to do a report on the subject of uh, gun control and gun licensing. And I was really surprised to see, uh, and once again, uh, this is the reason as to why we're having to now face this problem, the level of confidence uh, and trust that Australians had on the government. And of course, this is going to be the reason as to why we are going to face these issues now. Um, perhaps uh, I hope that we can turn this evil into good and have learned the lessons and never ever to trust government so much ever again. Yeah, our founders surely knew that. And, uh, you know, the Second Amendment, as you know better than I, uh, speaks of the militia. And I think the militia meant the states defending themselves against the government, the federal yeah. government, which was a, also a big, big thing at that point in time. And of course, they were absolutely right. The federal government was going to try to run roughshod over the states, and they have done that. It's very predictable. Do you have anything more to say uh, about China? And this, uh, I know there's a seaport that's been part, what, partially built by by uh, the Chinese. It's a giant airport, a commercial. Uh, I don't know if it also has uh, the you know, regular public flights that the Chinese have built. It's capable of handling these huge huge planes. Am I correct about what I've been getting from my... You, you are very correct. And you have to bear in mind also that the governments now are trying to say that they um, are uncomfortable about this situation. But the situation that, that is now in place have been created by them. So I'm not so sure whether we are actually going to face a sort of a fake crisis between Australia and China because they can fabricate a, a conflict and a, potentially even a war in which the Chinese government will certainly prevail. And they're not going to have the support of the Americans this time, because you guys have to actually help yourselves first because of the yeah, whole exactly. uh, crisis that Americans is facing. So Australia is very vulnerable at this point. So it's very. not the moment. Uh, the worst enemy is the one who pretends to be your friend. I think the Chinese is capitalizing with those who are our enemies within, who have sold out our country to the Chinese. And these concessions, these uh, um, uh, acquisitions of property have been done because the ruling oligarchs in Australia are traitors to the nation. And they are actually uh, compromising our sovereignty by profiting at the expense of the people's misery, of the misery of the population in this country. Well, as a commissioner, I was also once upon a time the senior vice president of the Liberal Party, which is the ruling party in my division here in Western Australia. And I decided to resign from the Liberal Party in disgust because of the sort of conversations they have about the ordinary Australian. That's why they create all these laws that ultimately suppress our freedom of speech, our freedom of expression, our freedom of conscience. We don't even have a Bill of Rights to protect us. So they actually can do whatever they want. And they hold the population in utter um, uh, contempt, I can say. They really don't have love for the people here. And they mm -hmm. actually want to push this agenda in order to profit. And as I say again, at the expense of my fellow citizens. Yeah. Again, folks, this is really what's already happening here in the United States. <clears throat> and it is going to get worse and worse. I, one of the most sad things I ever heard was a communication I got from Australia, which said, America, please save us. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, don't you know? Don't you yeah. know we're sinking ourselves? <laughs> yes. I think that's the state of the West in general. There are some spots in, in Europe that are still doing relatively well. Um, I went to Poland and, and Hungary recently, and I see that people have a bit more of conscious, uh, consciousness of their rights. Perhaps that's because they have learned through history. The main problem yeah. of, of the West is that we have never faced a, a very terribly uh, oppressive communist regime. We are now starting to experience this, and now yes. we are starting to understand how bad uh, it can go. Governments can become the most oppressive uh, instance of 
of, uh, of interactions and tyranny. And that's when we have to start to be able to resist. So the time now is to think about the mistakes that we have committed. Perhaps we restore some of the things that uh, have been uh, removed from us, but at the same time, uh, redesign the constitutional framework in order to have more checks and balances, certainly more separation of powers and the rights of the individual being taken, uh, being given back to the citizen again. Yeah, you, you're expressing the, these things very, very articulately. It's, uh, uh, it's amazing to just, uh, you know, just uh, sit and talk with you. Any further thoughts about the the origins, you, you came with some things you're going to send me and you, you and you said you wrote an article quite a way back about all this. Any more thoughts for our audience here in America and Australia and anywhere else in the world uh, with the Internet yeah. about this, this really we're being taken over by the communists. Now, a lot of our uh, people like Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, they think the communists are going to cozy up to them the way they do now. Right now, they. The premier, you know, he comes, uh, Xi Jinping, he comes and he, you know, he practically hugs and kisses in public with uh, Bill Gates and Schwab and Mike Bloomberg and our, our billionaires who are, are just sucking up to these Chinese. But but what, once once we, the U.S. and Western democracies are really at a, on our knees, it's going to be a Chinese empire. And yes. they'll, just, they'll just eat all those billionaires and uh, you know, it'll be, uh, they'll play with them, torture mm. them like, uh, you know, puppies. And the, 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 the uh, uh, fascinating aspect of this is that the Chinese in the past had a tradition of resistance uh, to a tyranny, which used to be called the mandate of heaven that could justify the removal of uh, oppressive rulers. And that was the reason as to why they had to change dynasties. Because when one, once one of the emperors behaved in a way that grieved God, and the, the word used was heaven, then people had the right to uh, lawfully resist uh, this tyranny. And so, of course, the Chinese government has suppressed this tradition, which is no longer even known by the Chinese people, but comes from their own uh, millennial traditions. Uh, what um, Mao Zedong had was a disregard for Chinese culture and traditions. Uh, the Chinese uh, communist regime is a foreign ideology because communism is actually an ideology created by a, a German. Uh, Marx, Marx was actually a German. So uh, the Chinese are under the ideology that comes from a very terrible German troublemaker called Karl Marx. I think what's very important to bear in mind is that Mao Zedong destroyed Chinese traditions and values. And I hope the Chinese people one day will rebel against this uh, uh, order of things. Uh, think about the fact that uh, Mao Zedong killed, exterminated 40 million, at least 40 million of his own people. And now we know that according to his comments to Nikita Khrushchev, in the 1960s that he wanted to do the same to the rest of the world. In his conversations with the Soviet dictator, he said that if they had to exterminate about two thirds of the population, that wouldn't make the difference. Yeah. It would actually be good because then he could create the so-called new man that would replace yeah. the old one that he was destroying. So these things about killing people, and creating the virus is something that Mao Zedong was discussing uh, with his own peop, uh, mm. um, operators a long time ago. Now we have this implementation, perhaps, of this strategy, because after all, the Chinese communist government remains uh, under the inspirations, uh, ideological guidance of Mao Zedong. Very so definitely, it changed yeah. this aspect. Yeah. Yeah, Xi Jinping is a, really a, an enthusiast of Mao. And there were very, as you also know, I'm sure, very murderous emperors that uh, slaughtered millions and actually had totalitarian states going before I knew happened. I'm starting to look more into it. And, and he, um, the current premier, favors those old time 
yeah. totalitarian so regimes have killed more than 150 million people in the 20th century alone. National socialism and international socialism combined, uh, they have been able to exterminate uh, the worst, the, the, the largest amount of human beings in, in the whole history of humanity. Yes. It's a good note to, to we do have to finish now. And uh, um, I want to just tell the audience my own my own recent work, in part due to the books Ginger's been buying for me to read and for her to read, um, are a great deal about this huge murderous history of um, communist China and other totalitarian states, and, and they're also the empires, some of the Chinese empires. It's, you know, d don't be too dewy-eyed about human history, folks. We got a fight on our hands right now of uh, enormous importance. Mm. Oh my gosh, uh, Augusto Zimmerman, Dr. Zimmerman, thank you so much. This has been enlightening, it's been interesting. And uh, let's stay in touch. Um, and I'd love to get some of your articles um, uh, to fill in, and that'll educate me to be able to speak more, more informed to my own audience. So thank you so much for being thank on, you the doc much. on the doctor. Thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you, my audience. I always remind you, thank you for listening and taking this uh, important stuff so seriously. Thank you. Bye-bye now to Australia. Thank you.